Good day. Welcome aboard the One Year Bible Tour. Today is April 29th. My name is David McAdam, serving as your host as we embark on today's leg of the journey through the Bible using the One Year Bible format. This arrangement allows us to read through the entire Bible in a year and go through the Bible's song and prayer book, that is the book of Psalms, twice. Each day I'll be reading the daily portion aloud from the Old Testament, the New Testament, as well as taking a dip into the book of Psalms and extracting wisdom nuggets from the book of Proverbs. I want to encourage you to stay with us as the benefits of daily Bible reading are abundant. We learn God's way of salvation as we read through the scriptures. There are only two ways to meet God's standards for a right standing with Him in heaven. The first is to be absolutely perfect. Jesus said, to be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. God's standards are impeccable. In Him there is no darkness at all. Absolute righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. We read about that yesterday in Psalm 97. Of course, it's too late for any of us to qualify to meet this standard. For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And the consequence of our failure to keep God's law and to walk in his way is death. That is spiritual, psychological, physical, and eternal separation from him. So that way of salvation is impossible. The good news, thank God, is that he has made a way for sinful men and women to be forgiven, absolved of their guilt, and declared righteous. This is the good news of the gospel and the only way for a person to be made right with God and be assured of an entrance into heaven. God loved the world in such a way that he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to become our saving substitute to be born under God's law, to live the life that we should have lived, and then to offer his body willingly as an atoning sacrifice, taking the punishment that his law declares is due us on account of our sin. He rose from the dead to vindicate his claim that his death on the cross paid our sin debt in full. We will be reading about that today. All who repent of their sin, acknowledging that they cannot save themselves, and turn to him, trusting him as Savior and owning him as their Lord, are forgiven and pronounced righteous. They are born of His Spirit and adopted into His forever family. This is the good news that the Scriptures point to. So let's get started in today's reading. We are in the Old Testament book of Judges. This is a dark season in the history of Israel. It is one in which we see cycles of spiritual decline and God mercifully raising up from time to time these little deliverers. But in today's reading, we see that Abimelech, the son of Gideon, is bad news for the people of Israel. We're reading from Judges chapter 9, verse 22, the downfall of Abimelech. Abimelech ruled over Israel three years, and God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the leaders of Shechem, and the leaders of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech, that the violence done to the seventy sons of Jerubbaal might come and their blood be laid on Abimelech their brother, who killed them, and on the men of Shechem, who strengthened his hands to kill his brothers. And the leaders of Shechem put men in ambush against him on the mountaintops, and they robbed all who passed by them along that way, and it was told to Abimelech. And Gaal, the son of Ebed, moved into Shechem with his relatives, and the leaders of Shechem put confidence in him. And they went out into the field, and gathered the grapes from their vineyards, and trod them, and held a festival. 
And they went into the house of their god, and ate and drank, and reviled Abimelech. And Gaal, the son of Ebed, said, Who is Abimelech, and who are we of Shechem, that we should serve him? Is he not the son of Jerubbaal, and is not Zebel his officer? Serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem. But why should we serve him? Would that his people were under my hand. Then I would remove Abimelech. I would say to Abimelech, Increase your army, and come out. When Zebel, the ruler of the city, heard the words of Gaal, the son of Ebed, his anger was kindled. And he sent messengers to Abimelech secretly, saying, Behold, Gaal, the son of Ebed, and his relatives have come to Shechem, and they are stirring up the city against you. Now, therefore, go by night, you and the people who are with you, and set an ambush in the field. Then in the morning, as soon as the sun is up, rise early and rush upon the city. And when he and the people who are with him come out against you, you may do to them as your hand finds to do. So Abimelech and all the men who were with him rose up by night and set an ambush against Shechem in four companies. And Gaal, the son of Ebed, went out and stood in the entrance of the gate of the city. And Abimelech and the people who were with him rose from the ambush. And when Gaal saw the people, he said to Zebel, Look, people are coming down from the mountaintops. And Zebel said to him, You mistake the shadow of the mountains for men. Gaal spoke again and said, Look, people are coming down from the center of the land, and one company is coming from the direction of the diviner's oak. And Zebel said to him, Where is your mouth now, you who said, Who is Abimelech, that we should serve him? Are not these the people whom you despised? Go out now and fight with them. And Gaal went out at the head of the leaders of Shechem and fought with Abimelech. And Abimelech chased him, and he fled before him, and many fell wounded up to the entrance of the gate. And Abimelech lived at Arumah, and Zebel drove out Gaal and his relatives, so that they could not dwell at Shechem. On the following day, the people went out into the field, and Abimelech was told. He took his people and divided them into three companies, and set an ambush in the fields. And he looked and saw the people coming out of the city. So he rose against them and killed them. Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward and stood at the entrance of the gate of the city, while the two companies rushed upon all who were in the field and killed them. And Abimelech fought against the city all that day. He captured the city and killed the people who were in it, and he razed the city and sowed it with salt. When all the leaders of the tower of Shechem heard it, they entered the stronghold of the house of El-Bereth. Abimelech was told that all the leaders of the tower of Shechem were gathered together. And Abimelech went up to Mount Zalmon, he and all the people who were with him. And Abimelech took an axe in his hand and cut down a bundle of brushwood and took it up and laid it on his shoulder. And he said to the men who were with him, What you have seen me do, hurry and do as I have done. So every one of the people cut down his bundle and following Abimelech put it against the stronghold and they set the stronghold on fire over them so that all the people of the tower of Shechem also died, about one thousand men and women. Then Abimelech went to Thebes and encamped against Thebes and captured it. But there was a strong tower within the city and all the men and women and all the leaders of the city fled to it and shut themselves in and they went up to the roof of the tower. And Abimelech came to the tower and fought against it, and drew near to the door of the tower to burn it with fire. 
And a certain woman threw an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. Then he called quickly to the young man, his armor-bearer, and said to him, Draw your sword and kill me, lest they say of me, A woman killed him. And his young man thrust him through, and he died. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, everyone departed to his home. Thus God returned the evil of Abimelech, which he committed against his father in killing his seventy brothers. And God also made all the evil of the men of Shechem return on their heads, and upon them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerubbaal. Chapter 10. Tola and Jair. After Abimelech, there arose to save Israel Tola, the son of Pua, son of Dodo, a man of Issachar, and he lived at Shamir in the hill country of Ephraim. And he judged Israel twenty-three years. Then he died and was buried at Shamir. After him arose Jair, the Gileadite, who judged Israel twenty-two years. And he had thirty sons who rode on thirty donkeys, and they had thirty cities, called Javoth-Jair to this day, which are in the land of Gilead. And Jair died and was buried in Kamon. The people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, and the gods of the Philistines. They forsook the Lord and did not serve Him. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of the Philistines and into the hand of the Ammonites, and they crushed and oppressed the people of Israel that year. For eighteen years they oppressed all the people of Israel who were beyond the Jordan in the land of the Amorites, which is in Gilead. And the Ammonites crossed the Jordan to fight also against Judah and against Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was severely distressed. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, saying, We have sinned against you, because we have forsaken our God and have served the Baals. And the Lord said to the people of Israel, Did I not save you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites and from the Ammonites and from the Philistines? The Sidonians also and the Amalekites and the Meonites oppressed you, and you cried out to me, and I saved you out of their hand. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore I will save you no more. Go and cry out to the gods whom you have chosen. Let them save you in the time of your distress. And the people of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems good to you. Only please deliver us this day. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord. And he became impatient over the misery of Israel. Then the Ammonites were called to arms, and they encamped in Gilead. And the people of Israel came together, and they encamped at Mizpah. And the people, the leaders of Gilead, said to one another, Who is the man who will begin to fight against the Ammonites? He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. And this is the end of our reading from the book of Judges, to be continued tomorrow. Let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we have just read. We see many sinful attitudes motivating the destructive actions described in the book of Judges. Abimelech's reign is one of cruel pride. Abimelech was a son of Gideon by a slave woman who lived with her father's family in Shechem. In Judges chapter 8, verses 30 to 31, his name means, My father is a king. Yet his father, Gideon, had given orders that neither he nor his sons were to establish a dynasty. In Judges chapter 8, verse 23, Abimelech felt his father was wrong about that, 
and so after Gideon's death, he decided that he would be king. But in order to do so, he needed to eliminate the competition and slay his half-brothers. Those in Shechem saw Abimelech as one of their own and rallied to his support as he oversees the death of the seventy. In Judges chapter 9, verse 3. Only Jotham, the youngest brother, escapes. However, Abimelech's punishment for killing the seventy sons of Gideon soon catches up with him. In Judges chapter 9, verses 53 to 56, Jotham's parable, which we read yesterday, uttered from Mount Gerizim, comes true. Abimelech, described in the parable as the bramble, accepts the position rejected by the more admirable olive tree, fig tree, and vine. The bramble would be the destruction of the men of Shechem, and the men of Shechem would be the destruction of the bramble. The prophesied fire comes out of the bramble of Abimelech's hot-headed pride to destroy his former support base, the people of his mother's family, Shechem. The nation of Israel, symbolized by the olive, fig, and vine, was chosen to reign over the nations under the rule of God, but it lost its power to rule when it ceased to yield to the rule of the one true God as their sovereign king. Gaal, son of Ebed, foolishly boasts of his worthiness to rule and challenges Abimelech's authority. He earns the trust of the disillusioned of Shechem, but his foolish pride blinds him to Abimelech's evil schemes and leads to his being driven out of Shechem. Abimelech is destroyed by a woman who drops a millstone on his head. He asks his armor-bearer to draw his sword and kill him so that it would not be said that a woman slew him. It is interesting to note what is recorded in the Bible and how it tracks the motives of the proud Adamic nature. It is what we were born with. Marvel not, Jesus said, you must be born again. In John chapter 3, verses 3 to 6. In Judges chapter 10, we see that the first four cycles of deliverance involved God raising up judges who would help turn the people from serving idols to serve the living and true God. We notice that there is no record that the judges Abimelech, Tola, and Jair acknowledge God. We read of the sixth apostasy in Judges chapter 10, verse 6. After the death of Jair, the sin cycle starts with the familiar words, Then the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord, in verse 6. This is the familiar signal that the cycle of apostasy has begun. Sin is followed, secondly, by idolatry. They served the Baals and the Ashtoreth, the gods of Aram, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the sons of Ammon, and the gods of the Philistines. Thus they forsook the Lord and did not serve Him. In verse 6, this is followed by, thirdly, punishment. The Lord is angry at sin and sells them into the hands of the Philistines and the Ammonites for 18 years. This is followed, fourthly, by repentance. Then the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord, saying, We have sinned against you, for indeed we have forsaken our God and served the Baals. Judges chapter 10, verse 10. Fifthly, what happens next? For the first time, the Lord refuses to save them. The Lord must first let them know how completely given over to idolatry they have become. In Judges chapter 10, verses 13 to 14, Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods, therefore I will no longer deliver you. Go and cry out to the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in the time of your distress. Sixthly, will there be deliverance? How will their prayers be answered? We'll read further on tomorrow. What we read in verse 16 is revealing. 
So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord, and he could bear the misery of Israel no longer. Judges chapter 10, verse 16. Whereas we have seen the motive of pride in the actions of men like Abimelech and Gaal, we can see the motive of God's love in disciplining his people. He could bear the misery of Israel no longer. The Lord is restless with love. We have the anthropomorphic expression of God's strong desire to relieve suffering when he sees it, even when he knows it is the result of human disobedience. Now let's go to the New Testament. We're in this wonderful chapter of the Gospel according to Luke, Luke 24, concerning the risen Christ. Jesus appears to his disciples on the road to Emmaus, disguised as a stranger, beginning with verse 13 of Luke chapter 24. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with one another about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. 
for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. And this is the conclusion of our reading from the New Testament and the conclusion of the Gospel according to Luke. We call the study of sermon composition and delivery homiletics. The root word is the Greek verb homileo, which we find in Luke chapter 24, verse 14. Here the word homileo is translated as talking, conversing, or discussing. It is used to describe the activity of the two disciples of Jesus who were walking to a village named Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem, after the resurrection of Jesus. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. Luke 24, verse 14. This is hardly the idea we have today of sermonizing. You get the picture that the disciples are fully engaged in a vigorous dialogue. Jesus, unrecognized by his disciples, approaches them and contributes to the discussion. It is vitally important to welcome Jesus into the homiletic activity of our preaching. Instead of merely lecturing our audience, we need to witness Jesus' participation in the dialogue and engage our audience with the conversation. Notice the sovereign activity of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of Christ. He either opens eyes to recognize more of the truth of who Jesus is, or he prevents eyes from seeing Jesus, in verse 16. How often do we really recognize the Lord's presence and the Holy Spirit's illuminating power in our Bible study and in our discussions? How wonderful it is when we let Him explain to us all the things concerning Himself in all the Scriptures. In Luke chapter 24, verse 27, He has given us the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. He leads us into the discovery of the glorious reality of the victorious Christ. In John chapter 16, verse 13, They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Luke chapter 24, verse 32. Now let's read from the book of Psalms, this triumphant song of praise, Psalm 100. His steadfast love endures forever, a psalm for giving thanks. Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. 
For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. There you have it, Psalm 100, the great finale of these five psalms of praise. Notice the verbs shout joyfully, serve, come before him, enter with thanksgiving and praise, give thanks, bless his name. Why? Because the Lord is God. He has made us. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. He is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. His faithfulness is to all generations. Psalm 93 and 95 through 100 are known as the royal psalms that emphasize God's sovereign rule as being worthy of praise. Amen? Now let's dip into the Bible's treasure chest of wisdom, the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14, verses 11 and 12. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Here we have a warning. One might think he or she is getting away with a wicked plot, and may even justify it as being right in their own eyes, but the result is always destruction, ruin, and death. It is appointed for men once to die, and then after this comes the judgment, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. But those who determine to walk according to the righteousness of God in Christ will prosper, both now and in eternity future. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, you have made yourself known to us through the person of your Son, who has demonstrated your love and provided the reconciliation needed to have access to your throne. Thank you for this gift of heavenly citizenship. We humbly and gladly submit to your rule. We know that in our flesh dwells no good thing. We rely on your Holy Spirit to illuminate the victory of the cross and enable us to walk in it. Cause us to be mindful of the presence of Christ crucified, risen, and glorified as we walk in the light as he is in the light. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it sure has been good to spend this time together and to have our minds renewed by the reading of the Word of God. And we're especially grateful for Jesus' revelation of himself on the road to Emmaus. What a great scene that is. Thank you for being a part of this Bible reading community. And if you have any questions or comments, you can contact us by writing podcast at newlife.org. If you would like more information about New Life Community Church, you can go to our website, newlife.org, or you can follow us too on Twitter, David K. McAdam or Pastor McAdam. And hopefully we can stay in touch. Well, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we look forward to being with you again tomorrow. God bless you. Shalom.